What do you get when you cross Jekyll and Hyde with a modern-day tale of secrets and motives and intrigue and a touch of romance? Well, you are about to find out, my misfit friend, so you know what to do. Keep listening. Everyone has a story. Not exactly a newsflash, but easy to forget when we're caught up in our own stories. And sometimes there are stories within stories, intersecting with other stories, sometimes circling back to our own. And if you think I'm talking about a Seinfeld episode, think again. I know that applies, but that shows, <laughs> that shows about nothing. What I'm talking about is something. Something way deeper and much more substantive. I'm talking about a story about things that matter. A story about secrets and the lengths that will go to protect them and, and uncover them. And I am pretty excited to be talking to the author of this story. For one, because unlike a lot of other guests here on the aisle, I actually know this one, which is pretty cool. But also, she herself is pretty cool. And I'm really thrilled to be talking with Sandy Brownlee. She has written a book that she likes to call The Mirror Lies. So welcome, welcome, dear Sandy. What a thrill to have you here with us on the aisle today. Hello, Nancy. So good to hear your voice again. Just hearing your voice is making me reminisce about our days back in uh, Bath, New York with... Uh, all of the wonderful theater that you were responsible for, so many things that you wrote, and just just what a blessing all of that was. Well, and, you know, we were so young back then, and, well... We were. I think I was five or six, and something like yeah, that. I was in utero, actually. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it is good to talk to you again, and I'm thrilled that you've got this podcast going. That's awesome. Well, you know, the the Misfits and I have always been aligned, um, so I just thought it was time to really do something about it. Um, so, and, and the beauty of it is, is what we have found is there are Misfits in the most surprising places among some of the most talented and accomplished people. So when I call you a Misfit, it's not an insult. It's, it is the highest honor that, that we uh, can bestow around here because it means that you are being true to who you are. Well, thank you. And I will proudly wear the label of misfit. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Well, we're so glad that you're aligned with us. And I got to tell you, I so enjoyed reading this book. Um, in fact, I purposely didn't finish because I, I didn't want to give away any spoilers and ruin anything for our listeners. How considerate of me is that? Okay. Um, but I have to tell you this story. It has it all. Intrigue and mystery, plot twist, romance. Um, oh, and beautiful imagery, by the way. Very well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you know, it was a blast to write. And I never I never considered writing a novel because, as you know, I've mostly done stage plays and radio drama, that kind of thing. So I did the NaNoWriMo, which is the November write a novel in a month, do 50,000 words in a month. I did it on a lark. And I based it on an unproduced radio drama that I wrote that I had transformed into a screenplay, and now it's become this novel. And I had such fun writing this. Every morning I would, 
during that month of November, I would sit down and I'd just, like for three or four hours, I'd just crank out words. And the story just, it was just there and it was a delight to write. I've, I've rarely had such a delightful experience writing. Well, you know, I can tell that you did have fun writing it because it really was a pleasure to read it. And I want to talk all about it. But before we do, there is an official rite of passage here on our little aisle that we must give heed to. Okay, it's kind of like in the Holy Grail when they had to pass the bridge of death and answer the questions three. So my question to you is, are you up to play my, my what I like to call a stupid game, really? Let's see. Uh, okay, I'm there. She's there. Okay, so th there is no bridge of death, so there's no there's no threat to your physical well-being, but there might be some stupidity involved. So here's how we're going to play this stupid game. So you're going to answer me these stupid questions three. Your job, I'm going to give you uh, a couple of prompts, and your job is to pick the stupidest answer. I will even give you examples, um, which you can choose or make up your own because you are a writer. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, stupid question number one. Where did the phrase once upon a time originate? Was it the hip and slightly weirded out ABC fairy tales gone wild show? You know what I'm talking about, uh, once upon a time. Yeah, so was it that? Um, or uh, B, a little known fact, it was actually supposed to be Captain Kirk's opening line in Star Trek, but was later substituted with space, the final frontier. Or C, it's actually been around since the 14th century, according to the Oxford Dictionary. Well, I, I would have to um, pick B, Captain Kirk, because I personally know him. Um, you no. do. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something that he would he would say on Star Trek. So there we go. There you go. And, and, and actually, I think it's a brilliant answer. So I'm not sure if it, you know, if it qualifies for stupid, but, I, but it was one of my answers. So yes, you win. Ding, ding, ding. Very good. All right. Question number two. Finish the phrase. And they lived happily dot, dot, dot. A, ever after? B, yeah, right? Or C, saving a bunch of money on their car insurance? Oh, saving money. I mean, you know, car insurance is like, you know, getting that perfect policy is like the holy grail. So, you know, it's got to be, yeah, that's it. Uh, you like that one. Okay. Because it seems like such a smart thing, doesn't it? And yet, I, you know what? I like your answer. Yes. I think that is pretty, yeah. It's, it's smart yet stupid. Yeah, exactly. Just, just like this show. So, <laughs> all right, you're doing well. Two, all right. Two down, one to go. All right. Home stretch. Here we are. According to William Shakespeare. What is the most essential element for good storytelling? Is it A, conflict, B, comfort food, and plenty of it, or C, confusing your audience by any means necessary? And remember, you can make up your own um, answer at any time. Yeah. Not that I'm putting you on the spot, no pressure or anything. I, I think it's having a Hollywood executive put the two thumbs up. That's how you know. <laughs> because, you know, they're, they're so wise and so moral and, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, wait, okay, wait, let me write this one down. Okay, uh, got it, Hollywood. All right, very good. You have done extremely well, an exemplary job on our stupid questions three games. So uh, you win. Congratulations. Yay, good. <laughs> and as I often make this empty promise, which one day I will fulfill to my guests, as soon as I get Isle of Misfits t-shirts made, I'm sending you one, man. It's coming to your door. That's all I'm saying. 
I'm looking forward to it. But um, or maybe I'll just maybe we'll just do Isle of Misfit pup tents. That way, yeah. How could you go wrong? Tattoos. We can get design oh it, and we can all get the tattoo. The possibilities are endless. I love it. Love, love, love it. All right. Well, you have done so well. Thank you for playing. And now it is time to get on to what you really came here for. So let's talk about this book. So um, there's so many ways we could go with this. So let's let's start here. So you 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 already talked about what prompted you to write this you had you had written this radio drama and you used the occasion of NaNoWriMo uh, to to get it going um but where did the radio drama come from where did that idea come from you know I think I think this is the way it happened um they wanted a radio drama for Halloween which mean it had, uh. it had to have that kind of mysterious element to it right and so I set out to write a mystery and you know I I thought you know twins are always I read a story of you know a long time ago uh, written by Dorothy Sayers about mirror image twins which I mean it's really freaky because they actually have not only looking in the mirror for their facial things, like they're looking in the mirror, sometimes even their internal organs are reversed, so they're an exact mirror. And I thought about, you know, the back in the 19th century, you know, early 20th century, they would look at that like that person was born wrong. Mm. And so it, it made me think about, okay, the good and evil that struggles within every single person. Mm, mm -hmm. and, and where do we find that true self? Where do we find who we really are? Not the labels that people put on top of us, but who we really are. And if you're, if you're named, you know, bad twin, you know, the one born wrong, how is it going to affect your behavior? Are you going to live up or live down to those expectations? And I think that's pretty common with all of us. Right. You know, growing up, if we're called dumb or scatterbrained or, you know, lazy, we tend to believe, well, they're calling me that so that I must be that. Right. And see, yeah, the agreements that we make with ourselves. And sometimes, like you said, those those uh, those agreements, are, they're pronounced over us and we agree with them. And sometimes we pronounce them over ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so that whole concept um, kind of was the foundation for this. And um, and really the heart of it is how do you find redemption? In, in the middle of that, how, finding your true self, finding really that forgiveness from God when everybody else says you're unforgiven. Right, um, right, and right. Then, and then we bring in the element of um, legalism. I don't know if people are that familiar with that term, but, you know, it's saying that behavior, 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 perfection is the only thing that will please God. Right, right. I love how John Eldridge puts it. That's just what popped into my mind. He talks about some people wrongly view the gospel as uh, a sin management system. You know, and yeah. I think that describes what you're talking about. Yeah. 
And and I I grew up with some of this. Um, went to a church when I was a teenager that was, well, you know, you you didn't listen to popular music and you didn't go to movies and it was almost to the point like, you know, men and women shouldn't even shake hands or have physical contact with each other. I mean, it was pretty narrow and and I rebelled against that and that caused myself a world of trouble because I rebelled against everything then. So I know from firsthand what legalism does to people. And so I embodied that wrong thinking and wrong believing into the character of the Right Reverend Absalom Bain. Yes, he was an interesting character. In fact, in some ways, this might sound strange, he was kind of my favorite character, or at least so far. Like I said, I haven't finished. I don't know if there's any new characters coming in the last few pages. But um, not favorite, like, ooh, I want to be like Absalom, but boy, um, we don't want to see ourselves in people, right? <laughs> but, but, but sometimes when you have that overt characterization, you can't help but seeing shades of things that, that you wish you didn't see. Yeah, yeah. And Absalom, you know, wasn't a, I hope he doesn't come across as a cardboard cutout villain, um, because in his humanity, he had reasons for becoming the kind of man he was. Right. And he also had a capacity to love however wrong the rest of him was, you know, so it, I hope, I hope he's, more of a full-bodied character. That's what I tried to make him. Yes. I tried to make all of the characters, especially in the past, more fully rounded and full-bodied. Yes, I, I would say definitely that does come across, and that's probably the reason that he is one of my favorite characters, because, you know, at, at first glimpse, you, you, you know, you do want, uh, look at him, oh, the religious guy, and, and we tend to do that, right? You know, we, we look at someone who, who we see as a caricature, but but when we, if we bother to get to know them, to go beneath the surface, to find out why they are, which many of us don't do, many of us want to caricaturize people because it's easier, right? It's easier to just say, to say, okay, well, you're this, you're that, and, and, and it makes us feel somehow safer and more in control, and, and really, it's, it's laziness because um, you're right, everyone does has a story does has a story. Okay, I'm talking to a writer here. Um, but okay, so now let's, I want to back up a little bit, though, if you don't mind, because we're talking, all right, you just talked about Absalom, you've talked about this, I, you know, this concept of building it on uh, twins, identical twins. I wonder, is it possible without giving away any, you know, any, anything important? Can we do a little synopsis? Like, what can you give us a, a picture of, of what this story revolves around? Just a, maybe a little bit of a plot summary. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, my log line would be a, a century-old mystery threatens the existence of a powerful international foundation, and uh, it part of what ties uh, the past to the present is that the discovery of that mystery in the relationship of the twins and the relationship of one of the twins with this preacher and the inheritance of a fortune uh, from the Graymore family back in England. 
All of that's a little bundle tied up in the past. And this mystery of what happened then affects the lives of, not just the lives, but uh, the inner workings of this powerful foundation, which is actually called the Greymoor Foundation. One other, one other thread that carries over from the past to the present is tied to Absalom's motivations, which is he's trying to find his own redemption. And it, he had a mindset of the end justifies the means, which means you can do a wrong for a greater good. That ties over into uh, the present and the mindset of a character in the present day and how they, what, what links they would go to to protect this foundation. Oh, yes. So that, that's how the past comes into the present. Yes, and I have to say, um, the greater good, I, that, that phrase seemed to come up several times, as well as um, the higher purpose. And, mm -hmm. you know, and you're right. You know, so again, um, picking on Absalom here, but it's so, you know, it, it's so very easy to say, oh, well, I would never do that. And to recognize, right? We always recognize things in others. Um, yeah, he's working out his own salvation. It's so obvious. And, and he's using, you know, these, these poor stooges to do so. And yet, you know, on that level, I may say, well, I'm not that overtly, uh, you know, manipulative. And yet there's, there's a part of me, even this morning, as I was thinking about situations and praying, you know, I'm realizing there's a part of me that doesn't feel right until everything around me is right you know in other words like if if i'm concerned about so and so and i'm not i don't feel like i can be okay until so and so is okay what's that all about yeah yeah exactly so um yeah so this is this is kind of what the the plot lines that you know interweave and everything uh in past and present and how they come together at the end so this is uh that's what the novel is like and we we've got a little touch of romance in the present day you know between the present day protagonist who is has the name of Graymore, but he comes from the wrong branch of the family so he's just a simple university professor and he gets involved with the Graymore foundation and uh, someone from his past gets involved too, and there is a spark. I'll just say that there's a spark, and there's also another character that comes in that tries to make it a love triangle, and there's another character that comes in that kind of makes it a love cube. So yes, or oh yes, yeah, that's I was going to say hexagon, but no, you're right because it wouldn't be a six-way triangle. It'd be I'm, now I'm just getting confused, and in this day and age, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. But um, but yes, there I love I love all those little twists. I love the layers. I love the um, you know, again the the um the time hopping between past and present and seeing all the connections. Um, and also one thing we haven't really mentioned yet is, you know, there's, it's not just a theme, but there's really an overt reference to Robert Stevenson, right? Who wrote the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Hyde. And your, sto your story has strong ties to that. And, um, you know, I, this might be a dumb question, but we've already established with my stupid game that I can ask dumb questions is, um, was there any historical, even loosely, uh, 
even loosely um, so, like validity there, or, or was this just all your wild imagination? Like where, where did the Jekyll and Hyde reference come in? Well, I had, I had read, um, when I was researching the radio drama, I found out that Robert Louis Stevenson actually did get into a feverish state and wrote the whole book in a matter of two weeks. Hmm. So, and I found out that he was indeed in Bournemouth in that period of time. So it's like a plausibility that if um, the twins' mother was present there in that same location, she could have made the acquaintance of Robert Louis Stevenson and his wife, Fanny. So that's how I kind of put a little history in there. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, he wrote the book. Yeah, he was in a fever state. And yeah, they could have met if she was there at the same time. Right. So bada boom, bada bing. Yeah. And, and there you go. And I, I love how you weave that in because, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the themes, they're there. They're, the themes are, are, are interlinked with with his work and with this story and the, and the duality, you know, um, one, one thing, you know, you, you have, you've kind of referenced this, you know, the, the power that secrets hold over us, but also the freedom of confession. Um, talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I mean, secrets, when, when they remain secrets, have the potential to grow and get bigger uh, and, and gain power because they exist without other eyes on them and your imaginings and your projections into the future, your mulling on the past, all of those things can build a monster out of a secret. When something comes into the light, uh, it can't do that anymore. It's like you have a chance to be liberated from that. And that is tied in to the whole plot of the story, is exposing the secret uh, as the first step or the most important step um, to finding re redemption. You know, until you confess a sin, you, you, don't, you can't get forgiven for it, you know. Uh, that's how we come to Christ in the first place. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. And so that that um, verse, it's not in the book, but that mindset plays into the lives of the twins and a couple of characters uh, existing in the present day. So, yeah, secrets. Right. Secrets can be bad things bad things yeah and you know and all the energy that goes into into containing them right and suppressing them and and, and keeping them from being known um and yet i think you hit on that key word that comes out of that first sean scripture which is confession you know um and it's interesting because um someone i know uh started a discussion and posed this question like well the question was this um are we forgiven if god forgives all of our sins are we forgiven uh, even if we didn't ask forgiveness. And, you know, it's one of those, you know, things that make you go, hmm, kind of questions. And, and the truth is, yeah, God forgave all of the sins on the cross, but until we confess and receive that forgiveness, we can't know that we're forgiven. 
we, we we're still under the power of the of those things that we're that we're holding in right yeah yeah and you know it's when you have an unconfessed sin you've basically locked yourself in a prison and you know god's forgiveness is always there but we've shut the door against experiencing that and we're still in bondage to that unconfessed sin so we we choose a miserable state of mind by wanting to keep that secret and by not confessing that sin so that's um and that and in the book uh that process uh becomes evident uh in in the twins journey in the past. Yeah. And what, what I really appreciate is the way you convey it with, you know, obviously we're talking in terms where we just, you know, you just quoted a Bible scripture and, you know, talking in terms of, of, of the truth of, of, of the gospel that you and I agree on. Not everybody that's listening to this may, may be on board with that. And for some people, this language might be kind of foreign. And yet what I really appreciate in this book is you don't have to be a Christian to read this and appreciate it because it's not laden with all of this terminology. It's really, it's, it's, it's about human beings and, and the human experience that everyone can relate to and the issues that are underneath the issue. So I really appreciated that. Well, thank you. I, you know, I tried to not make it on the nose and I tried to make it something that came from a Christian worldview. Right. And, you know, all of us, no matter what kind of humanistic philosophy may come out of a person's mouth, deep inside they know the evil's in the world. And deep inside they know the evil is in the people because you experience it every day. I mean, you know, whether it's somebody cutting you off in traffic or somebody trying to cheat you out of money or you doing something that serves yourself, while it really hurts or um, hurts somebody else, you know, that's us. That's right. that's the human condition. Right. So that's that's kind of how I built the book. Is well, it's true. You know, that's us. And and to really kind of kind of sow the seeds of finding a path to redemption. Right. And if you follow. Um, the twins journey in the past that's what you discover right so and and yeah just that that you know there there is a universality for for whatever reason um we all like you said we can all agree on on what's wrong and what's evil right there's there's almost almost universal i don't know maybe well that's another discussion for another day but for today i'll say it's almost universal we can all agree on what's evil we don't always necessarily agree on what's good but um but I love I love that you give us that that ability to to delve into that human experience in a way that you know you anybody from any walk of life can relate to. All right, so here's my next question for you, Miss Sandy. Do you have a favorite character in the story, or somebody that you relate to the most, and why, or why not? Um, well, I'm like you. I do like Absalom Bain because he he's his his struggle is a struggle of legalism versus his being a human, you know. Uh, but I also really love um, 
one of the twins, Simon, his journey. Because he is the one that takes the steps and has to fight against the label of bad twin. And so he has to take his own steps toward redemption. So that is, I, I like him. I really like, and I liked writing for him because I like getting inside his head and uh, seeing what he was going to do next. Right. And um, yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. I think he was my other favorite, which I don't know what that says about me. You know, I like the, the two most overtly screwed up people in the book. But um, <laughs> but, but the, yeah. I have one other favorite character, and that's a present day character. And that's uh, Amy. Ah. Who she, she states things in the way that nobody else does, and she makes up words. And, you know, she's she's just she was fun to write for because of the kind of things that would come out of her mouth. You know, right. That was just fun. Right. Yeah. So and and it's interesting because she's got that that uh, you know the. The made up well, there used to be a game about made up words. Now I can't remember what it was. Um, but she's got that going on and then her, you know, Cliff, he's got the blurting thing going on. So Yeah. Yeah, so it's a nice little dovetailing. Um and then one character we haven't really talked about at all is Kate. And she she is another, I would say, a favorite of mine, um, in many ways, because um she's, you know, well, I won't tell you all about her because you're the one that wrote about her, but um I like her no nonsense ness if that makes sense yeah yeah i i like kate too i wish i was more like kate <laughs> but she she's got a tender heart a big heart and a no nonsense demeanor and she's got courage which is she's just even in the midst of she's got her own struggle in the novel but even in the right. middle of that, she's got courage and she's not afraid to speak her mind. So that's, she's, she was also very much fun to write for. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, and like you had said earlier, so many of these characters, they're not one dimensional. They all have, you know, there's stories behind stories, right? Everybody's got a story. And until we bother to find out, we, you know, we make judgments. We look at the surface, um, but everybody's got reasons for the things that they do, and sometimes they don't even fully understand the reasons for the things they do because of other people's stories. Yep. We're complicated beings. We are, aren't we? Um, and yet, you know, and, and yet there's a simplicity there that's so beautiful. And I'll say this, just because something's simple, that don't mean it's easy, but the simplicity is what you've already referenced to, that there, there's a freedom in, in unearthing secrets in a safe place, right? You can't just unearth them to anyone. But, um, you know, we talk about the greater good, the higher purpose. Um, you know, the greatest good is being able to unearth those things that imprison us to someone, something, a higher power that, that can do something to help set us free. Yeah, yeah. And that is, um, that is the human journey, you know? We're, we're, we get in bondage to so many things. We get in bondage to um, lies that we tell ourselves, lies that we believe that Satan tells us. We get in bondage to thinking that God could never forgive me for that. You know, name that thing, dot, dot, dot. Right. And all of those are lies. 
And if you come out and you, you kneel down before God, you say, this is me, and I confess it, it's, there's such liberty in that. There is such acceptance. There is such warmth. You know, it's, but we're all afraid of, of showing our true selves, showing what we are inside, because we're afraid that we will be judged. But God does not do that. And he's the one that counts. Right. Because while we're speaking about stories, the truth is, you know, we, we all get to play a part in this big story, right? Um, but sometimes we forget the story really isn't all about us. You know, we, we forget that, yeah, we have a really good supporting role in the story, but we're not the star. And that can be disappointing, right? It can be, oh, you mean it's not all about me? But it also is, is wonderful in that it takes this tremendous pressure off of us. So, no, it's, I don't have to bear the weight of this. There, um, there, there's a bigger story. I get to be a part of it. You know, um, before we started recording, we I think I, I mentioned, you know, um, the Westminster Confession, right? That our, our purpose, the purpose, the chief purpose of man is to glorify God always and enjoy him forever. You know, and that that's that's not a bad gig, right? <laughs> that it's not about me, but but I but I get to do that with my with my part, you know, um, so I think that's that's wonderful, and, and and becoming free of the things that beset us really helps us to 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 be a part of that story. Yep, yep, you nailed it. That's true, and uh, you know I I would love to see the world, you know, take that journey to becoming who they are and becoming free from all their bondages and entering into the presence of God and, and knowing, good grief, I can enjoy God and he enjoys me. And it's like a very, very cool, beyond cool thing because we are in the presence of unconditional love and the huge personality of God which we haven't even begun to explore in this life you know so it's yeah glorify God and enjoy him forever be yoked for, to Christ and you're free that's freedom and you know freedom is a big thing with me I you know I love it <laughs> well my friend you just nailed it because that you just beautifully articulated in fact I'm going to go back in the transcripts and write this down um, you articulated really why why we're even here on the Isle of Misfits it's all about that freedom that you speak of freedom to be to to embrace who we are right um, which means it doesn't mean that we stay the way we are there's some places we need to grow but until we can be honest about who we are and 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 accept that you know what okay yeah we have our everybody has their quirks everybody's got this they've got that deal when we can when when we can get comfortable with that that's that's our starting point to freedom so thank you for articulating that i love it well, cool <laughs> glad i could do it so all right so we're we're coming in for a landing here but so i want to shift gears a little bit although it's really not completely shifting gears because you were telling me about something exciting that that you want to do with with this story, which jives with um, another part of your creative life. 
something that you once described to me as called transmedia storytelling. So tell us a little bit about that and how it relates to the mirror lies. Well, it, the, the definition of transmedia storytelling is taking a story or a narrative and breaking it apart and spreading it across a variety of media like, you know, website, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Pinterest, you know, all of those are places where part of the story can be told. And if you think of, for example, the story of the mirror lies doesn't just exist on the pages. It exists within a bigger world uh, that has other parts of the story in it. Like the, the Graymore Foundation exists in the town of Granville. That's its headquarters. But Granville can be an actual town. It can be, you know, the university's there, and it has characters and things that happen there. Um, there's the old Graymore estate, you know, there, and you have a gatekeeper cottage, and you have a gardener's cottage, and you have other things. You've got stables. You've got, uh, you know, wings that go off of this place. Think of it in a larger world, and transmedia storytelling invites the audience into that world to come into, interact with it, and play. You know, it's it's a way for the the audience to play with the story. And I want to create a little bit of that around the mirror lies, and I want to make it really accessible for people. For example. One of the things I would like to do is to provide the diary of Absalom Bain's wife, Rebecca, and, you know, maybe kind of put it in different parts of uh, online. Like maybe there is a history professor who finds it and begins putting up pieces of it on his blog. And then you have another character who you know, maybe a distant relative who has other pieces and they do a, a video blog with it. That kind of thing where people just get to explore and discover more of the story that's not in the novel. Does that well, make sense? That makes complete sense. And I think in some ways, I think we, you know, we, we see this with other, uh, with other works, movies or literature that people care about. Things like Lord of the Rings comes to mind or the Star Wars franchise or, you know, things where you get, you know, you get interested it starts with creating really interesting characters. I think that's what makes people care about the story. And then from there, yeah, then, then you know, like you said, there's, there's whole worlds and there's other works and there's other offshoots of, you know, this character and that character or this, or like you said, this town or this setting. And because people want to know more, when you care about something, you want to know more. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put this out there. If anybody listening to this um, does comic book graphic novel style art there is a section of um this world that i would love to have a graphic novel offshoot and so mm -hmm. if you somebody wants to all right you heard it on that i'm here Okay, so it's out there, you artiste, and I know you're out there. Um, we're going to give you a way to get a, in touch with Sandy in just a minute, which reminds me. So 
someone's interested in this book, which they really should be, how did they get your book? When does it come out? How do they get it? Well, I, it is going to come out this month, uh, probably toward the end of the month. The artwork for the cover is done. Uh, the ebook is being put together and it will be on Amazon. Uh, that will be its main form of distribution. It's a print on demand type of thing. So available in uh, print and in ebook on Amazon.com. The exact date that it comes out, I will put on the Mirror Lies Facebook page. So if you're on Facebook, you know, type in the Mirror Lies and you'll see a picture of a mirror with a hand in it. And that is the, the page for the book. I'm going to put it all over that and share it on my Facebook page when I have the exact launch date. So like my page and look out because you'll find out when it's coming out on the page. All right. So bottom line, if you are interested in this book, and again, I highly recommend it. It's just a great read. Um, you can contact Sandy at Facebook. So just put in the search bar, The Mirror Lies, and you will find her. And there you go. It's really been wonderful speaking with you, Sandy. Um, what, what a delight. Thank you so much for sharing the story, sharing your time with us. And is there, is there anything else that you want our, our misfits here to know? Uh I want them to know that I am grateful to them. Um, for anybody who joins me in this story journey, I I would love to, you know, connect with you on Facebook. I would love to get to know you, and I am so grateful if you choose to read and become part of my uh, Miralized bunch of advocates. So there you go. Well, there you go. Well, thank you, Sandy. And we uh, wish you all the success in the world. In fact, I'm just going to go out. I'm going to say we pray. I pray for success for this book because I, I really think that this is a way to encourage people who need it. You know, we we need a good story. I think that's one thing we need. You know, there's a lot of bad news out there. Um, so, so a good story with a good redemptive message, but that's real and honest is, is wonderful. But the bottom line is we, we need... We need some good news. So um, thank you for providing this. And, and I really do pray that this gets into the right hands of people that could, that could use that kind of encouragement. Well, amen. Thank you very much, Nancy. Thank you, Sandy. And you are welcome back on the aisle anytime. <laughs> good. I'll, I'll get, get in my boat and come visit. <laughs> we'll take you. All right. Well, God bless you. And thank you, Nancy. Okay, so this is a pretty cool opportunity to join Sandy's community around this truly enjoyable book. So whether you're one of them, they're comic book, graphic novel style artists, you want the latest scoop on when it's released, or you just want to connect with her, Sandy would love to hear from you. And you can do that on Facebook simply by typing in The Mirror Lies, that's L-I-E-S, in the search bar. Now, did I tell you? We're doing another random drawing of random awesomeness, and here's how it works. Subscribe to the Isle of Misfits, that's I-S-L-E of Misfits.com, and or like us on Facebook, and or recruit new subscribers. Basically, anyone who helps us spread the word will be entered right through midnight, February 13th, and I'll announce the winner on the website on Valentine's Day. Won't that be sweet? So, my friends, 
Have at it. And don't forget to be loving on those misfits out there, starting with yourself. Oh, yeah. And own your awkward, too. <laughs>